0: Time, those will be the people to follow. Today is Easter. Today we celebrate the thing that matters most in our faith. Without today, the Bible says that we are the most to be pitied. Everything that we believe is worth nothing. Everything that we do, coming together, gathering together, all the songs that we sing, all the things that we believe. Our whole faith is just grounded on nothing if Jesus didn't come back to life. If he's not alive today, we're the most to be pitied. If you were here on Friday, uh, it was an amazing service that evening. It was a really powerful time. And we talked about how Jesus died. We talked about that Jesus died as the Passover lamb. He didn't just die. He died in our place. He died for our sins. The Bible says that in some way, Jesus actually became sin on the cross. That somehow Jesus became sin so that when he died, sin itself was defeated with him. I don't know how that works. But what it means is that after all of his ministry, after the three years of his ministry, after all the momentum that he had, after all the crowds that were following him and and what he was preaching, repent and come and follow me and I will give you eternal life. After his miraculous birth, after all of the Old Testament prophecies that he fulfilled, try to understand, it's mind boggling, but try to wrap your mind around that there are thousands of years of hints and clues and promises about the Messiah, about the one who would come who would bring salvation. And lots of these things are floating around like puzzle pieces and nobody thinks that they could all be fulfilled in one person because they don't seem to be things that you could all, they seem like a, you couldn't, you, one person couldn't fulfill all of these things. And Jesus fulfills these Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah in his birth, in his life, and his message, in his miracles. And he's going around for three years and he's teaching, if you, if you give me your life, I will give you eternal life. And then on a Friday on a cross, he died. And he was dead. And they stabbed him in the side to check, to make sure that he was dead and they wrapped him up and they buried him and he was dead. On a cross, on a Friday. Now I wanna consider for a moment, consider that Friday's the end of the story. What would it be like if, if, that, if that concluded the story of Jesus? Were his closest followers the types to take up the mantle of Jesus' ministry and say, we're gonna continue to preach what Jesus preached that if you give your life to our dead teacher he will give you eternal life. No, of course not. It makes no sense. We know that f- based on what we know about the disciples, that's not the type of people they were anyway. They weren't that they weren't like that. That's not who they were. But also we also know that they weren't, people weren't following Peter, they weren't following John or James, they were following Jesus. See, even today in Christianity, we don't follow teachings. If you follow the teachings of Jesus, but you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you are not a Christian and you're not following Jesus. So the apostles, the disciples, all of his followers, they're not gonna walk around continuing to preach the gospel that if you give your life to Jesus, who's dead, that he will somehow be able to give you eternal life, even though he's dead. So it's, it's over. It's over. If Jesus is dead, if Friday's the end of the story, the whole thing is dead, the whole movement. There's no Christians. There's no church. There's no nothing. If Friday's the end of the story, the whole story is over. That's just the end of the story. John says in his gospel that after Jesus died, his his followers were hiding in a room afraid of the Jews. These aren't the people who are gonna go try try to continue on what Jesus was doing. Nope, Friday took all the wind out of their sails, but Friday's not the end of the story. It's not even close. Because on Sunday... Let's read it together So if you have a Bible There's one under the seat in front of you Open it to Luke chapter 24 We will have the words on the, the screens up here But they're going to they're gonna go by I want you to be able to, to look back if you need to So Luke chapter 24 In the Bible that's under the chairs It starts on page 884 While you're getting there and getting set up After Jesus died on that Friday They, they wrapped his body They took it to a tomb Think of, think of a tomb as, as a, like a cave Or a room And they rolled a big stone in front of it A, a huge stone It would have taken uh, six, seven, eight guys To move a stone like this Or like three or four of me would have been a big stone blocking the entrance. His followers, they rested the next day because the next day is Saturday. It's the Sabbath. They rested that day like they should. Apparently in hiding, and then Sunday came around. Let's let's read what happened. It says, "On the first day of the week, that's Sunday, at early dawn, they, that is the the women, uh, his his followers that women among them they went to the tomb taking the spices that they had prepared stop there for a second understand that bringing spices to the tomb would have been for the purpose of uh, masking the smell of the, the the decomposing body so they would have been putting the um the spices inside the wrapping of his body so that people could come in and visit um his body and mourn and grieve without being overwhelmed by the the smell of of death so they were bringing spices which shows you that they're not expecting him to be alive they're not expecting him to be alive they're going to prepare his body so that they can continue to grieve verse two and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb but when they went in they did not find the body of the lord jesus they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed like an idle tale. Seemed to them as an idle tale. And they did not believe them. But Peter. If you weren't here on Friday, Peter has denied even knowing Jesus and just ran away in self-pity and loathing. But Peter's there and Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves and he went home marveling at what happened. That same day, that very day, two of them were going to the village, to a village named Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem. So late, later that day, two of the people who were there are walking, and they're on the road to Emmaus, and they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. So Jesus is alive. He's come back to life, and now he's walking with these two people who were talking about him. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Verse 17, and he said to them, What is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? I'm interested to know. What are you talking about? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, said, answered him, Are you the only visitor in, to Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened here these days? Where have you been? Under a rock? And he said to them, What thing? Pray tell. And they said to him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how the our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women from our company amazed us. They were at the tomb in the morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But but him they did not see. And he, that's Jesus, said to them, O foolish one, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And wouldn't you have liked to have been there? So they drew near to the village to where they were going. He acted as if he was going farther but they urged him strongly saying stay with us for it's toward the evening and the day is now far spent so he went in to stay with them when he was at table with them he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them and their eyes were opened and they recognized him and then he vanished from their sight they said to each other did not our hearts Burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures. And they rose that same hour, that very hour, and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, and they were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he had he has appeared to Simon. Then they, that's these men on the road to Emmaus, they told what had happened on the road, and how he was known to them in the breaking of As they were talking, as they were talking about all these things, Jesus himself stood among them in this locked room. And he said to them, peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet. Why? still wearing the scars from the cross see my hands and my feet that it is I myself touch me and see for a spirit doesn't have flesh and bones as you see I have and when he said this he showed them his hands and his feet and while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling he said to them you got anything that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are my witnesses of these things. And behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. They worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple, blessing God. Now, what Luke's gospel doesn't mention, but he mentions in Acts, sort of volume two of the the, the two-volume work that Luke wrote, is that the resurrected Jesus actually continued his ministry for 40 days and was seen by hundreds of people. He wasn't... This isn't a story about how, yeah, we saw Jesus. Yeah, he was here, and nobody really saw him. He was seen by hundreds of people for 40 days. But let's turn our attention back to verse 6. It's the most important part. He's not here, he's risen. All of our hope rests on he is risen. Because Jesus promises eternal life. All of our faith rests on he is risen. Because we don't worship dead people. Everything rests on Jesus being alive. If Jesus had stayed dead, no one would have been surprised. They were expecting him to stay dead. But Jesus came back to life, and that changes everything. It's a game changer. It's a It, it, it changes everything everything because it means he conquered death it means he conquered sin it's the ultimate confirmation that he has power over death eternal death eternal life it means he can forgive us from our sins and he can make us right with god we know it's a game changer because we can see in the bible how the resurrection of jesus changed the disciples we're going to look at that together in your outline. How Easter Sunday changed the disciples the first thing that we find is that their faith went from fragile to fearless and because it's Easter I decided to alliterate my points this morning their faith went from fragile to fearless see before Jesus is resurrected in Luke 22 it says, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter, and Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he, Peter, went out and wept bitterly. Peter denied even knowing Jesus. When there was a little bit of hostility, maybe, maybe a lot of hostility, they had arrested Jesus, they had taken Jesus away, and Peter sort of following them and he's there at the trial. We talked about this on Friday. He's there at the trial. He's around a fire, and people are, people are there. And people are going, hey, aren't you a Galilean? Aren't you from Galilee? Weren't you uh, a part of the people who are with Jesus? And Peter goes, no, no, not me. And he does it three times. And the last time, I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't even know what this is. What are we even doing here? His faith was so fragile that when it was hard, he was like, no, 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 not me. Nope, sorry, not me. Fragile. We see this in other points in the disciples early in their ministry. Their faith was fragile. They didn't, they didn't get it. They were willing to, to uh, walk away and compromise uh, pretty easily. But after, after Easter, We find Peter. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is poured out onto the the, the people of Jesus, onto the followers of Jesus. And Peter, this same Peter who was like, no, 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 I don't even know him, when it was hard. No, 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 I don't even know him, around his peers. No, 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 I don't even know him. On Pentecost, Peter stands up and he says, Men of Israel, this Jesus, whom you crucified, is alive and he preaches powerfully over and over and over again in front of the chief priests, in front of people who have power and authority to hurt him, and he's powerfully preaching the gospel. That's not Peter, guys. That's Jesus. Because that's not what Peter was like. He He was quick to run. That's not Peter. That's Jesus. Their faith went from fragile to fearless because of Easter Sunday, because he's alive. Also, their priorities went from selfish to selfless. Selfish to selfless. Before Easter, we find the disciples more than once making it about themselves. Luke 9, 46, an argument arose among them as to which of them was the greatest. And that's not the the last time they had that argument. They had that argument on Friday before Jesus died. One of us is going to betray you? Not me, not me. Maybe it's one, it's got to be one of you guys. Well, it's certainly not Peter, James, or John because they're like the top three. Well, then who's after that? And they're having an argument about who's the greatest when Jesus stops them. They make it about themselves. Lord, who's going to be at your right hand? Make it me. I put my brother at your left hand. They make it about themselves. But after Easter, after Easter, they're not thinking about themselves at all. In Acts 2, 44 and 45, it says, and all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. They were were giving everything away. Oh, you need something? I, I don't need, if I have it, I will give it to you. They don't care about themselves at all. We see this probably most clearly in how they were martyred, how they gave up their lives for the sake of their faith. It was not like that before Jesus rose again. Before Easter, they were selfish. After Easter, they're selfless, they're, 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 they're giving of themselves, they're sacrificial. Their expectations went from confused to clear. Before Easter, there was always confusion among the disciples. How many times had Jesus told them that he must suffer and die and then be raised again? But no one is expecting him to die. His death was a total surprise to them. It was devastating to them. And then when he came back to life, they were super surprised. How many times have I told you, even the angel the, the people come to the tomb, and we read the Bible, and we don't read it with, like, attitude. But I read it with a little bit of attitude. Because the people, the women, they come to the tomb, and they're going. And so these angels show up, and they go, why are you looking for him here? This is where dead people go. He told you he was going to be alive on the third day. Why would you be here? How many times did they not understand? They were confused. They never really accepted or understood the things that Jesus was telling them. And he had told them over and over and over again. They loved Jesus, but they never really got it. Sometimes they got in trouble for it. Peter, after Jesus one time said that he would suffer and die, Peter took him aside. This is in Matthew 16. And Peter took him aside and was like, excuse, Hey, guys, excuse us for a moment. I need to have a conversation with you. And it says that Peter rebuked him. Peter rebuked Jesus for saying that he would suffer and die. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. You're a hindrance to me, for you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. But after Easter, their mandate was clear, and they knew exactly what they were supposed to do, and they did it. In Acts 1, verses 7 and 8, Jesus told them exactly what they needed to do, and they did it. He said, It's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And they did it. They went from confused to clear. Easter Sunday changed everything. For the disciples, they went from day to night. You find the disciples after the resurrection being very different people from the disciples before the resurrection. They're very different people. It changed everything for them. After Easter, something's pushing them like they've never been pushed before. And they went out into the world like little miniature versions of Jesus. Now Jesus before In his ministry, he said, you guys don't want me to stay here with you. You need me to go so that I can send you the Holy Spirit and you will do greater things. Because if we go out into the world, like like many versions of Jesus, we do so much throughout the world. And that's what the disciples did. In the face of persecution, in the face of, of being killed by Rome, for what they believed. They stood by their faith. They believed it so much, they believed it so deep, the gospel is has penetrated so deep into people's lives that they're being killed for their faith and it doesn't stop them. These aren't people who are following a dead man's teachings, amen? You don't do that if you're following the teachings of someone We have a faith that's alive because we have a savior who's alive. Buddha died. He was 80. He got violently ill and he died. Muhammad died. He was 62. He got ill and he died. Confucius is dead. Joseph Smith is dead. Darwin is dead. Jesus is alive today and he leads his church and he leads us and he calls us to be the same kind of clear that the disciples were, the same kind of selfless that the disciples were, the same kind of fearless that the disciples were and to go out into the world as expressions of him powerfully, boldly proclaiming the gospel that God loves you no matter how evil you've been. And he wants to forgive you. If you give your life to Jesus, he's already conquered life. He's already conquered death. And he can give you eternal life. And he can forgive you for anything. You don't get that with someone who's dead. I thought I might have time to go into the various ways that sundays changed the world let me give you one example as the disciples are being changed as they go from day day and night they're totally different they go out into the world and they're sharing the gospel and they're telling people and you've got people like peter who were quick to run now they're standing up and on, on trial and they're saying no we believe in jesus no we believe in jesus we believe in him powerfully you've got The world's starting to change as they go out, as they spread out into the world. The world is changing. The whole emphasis that we have these days on human rights is because of Jesus. Go back to ancient Greece, ancient Rome, and uh, ask if they cared about human life and rights. Not even close. They practiced infanticide. They would take a live baby and they would put it out on a hill and they would just wait for it to die. And that was acceptable. That wasn't outlawed in ancient Rome until, guess what? Six years before Christianity became the official religion of the Roman Empire. So you've got about a 300-year period where Christianity is condemned it's outlawed, they're being slaughtered, they're being killed, they're being thrown in the arena and killed by gladiators. They're being imprisoned and tortured. And, it, and, it, and then it became the official religion of the empire because Jesus is alive, because he's not dead, because he's alive and he's moving and he's still moving today. We can't sit back and say, well, we live in a Christian nation. We have to step up and say, what is being fearless for Jesus look like today? What is being selfless for Jesus look like today? What is being clear on our mission look like today? Today. Because we still are called to go out and be expressions of Jesus in the world. Guys, that's what being a Christian means. It means being a little Christ go out as Jesus in the world. Let me ask you a question. Sunday, Easter Sunday changed everything. Did it change you? Did it change you? You might be sitting here this morning thinking, no. No, it it didn't. If I'm being honest, it didn't really changed me maybe it's a nice story or something like that maybe you know that Easter changed you are you still the same person that you were before you really realized that Jesus is alive that he's risen and that he's offering you salvation because I don't want you to live like it's Friday. I don't want you to live like Jesus is dead, that he died on the cross and that he made this great sacrifice for us and now he's gone. When we look around, we don't, we don't see a glowing uh, symbol of Jesus in the room somewhere, but I see Jesus when I look at you and you should see Jesus when you look at each other He moves in the world through us. He's still alive in heaven leading his church, and that's us. Don't live like it's Friday still, worried about what people think, worried about the things of this world, the cares of this world, worried about your possessions. Don't live like it's Friday. Live like it's Sunday, and Jesus is alive. Love like it's Sunday, and that Jesus has given you his love so that you can pass it on. Live like Jesus is risen, like he's alive, he's alive in you. Because it changes everything. Living like he's dead, there's no life in your faith. Live like he's sacrifice on the cross is hard to think about it's hard to process but god thank you that friday only lasts for a couple days and that we get to live in sunday that we get to gather on sunday lord thank you that we get to celebrate on sunday thank you that we're not like the other religions in the world god we're not like all of the other people who are are following dead teachers who are following dead philosophies who are following uh, rituals thank you god that we follow you not not a book not a series of laws lord thank you that we follow you and that you are still moving and that you still show us where we should go as a group but individually lord that you still call out to us in our hearts and you still call out and say follow me follow me and i will give you eternal life follow me and i'll lead you to heaven lord thank you that you still offer us forgiveness for our repentance god help us to repent today for living like it's friday help us lord to live like it's sunday to live in the past